All right, I hope you're all armed with your autobiographies. We're on chapter 18, page 178. And this chapter is titled, A Mohammedan Wonder Worker. It's a very short chapter. There's a very good, good chance, chance that we will end it today. We keep saying that and sometimes we, won't we promise succeed. it though. <laughs> and it's really just a story more than anything else. And we'll see uh, what little instructions, what little inspirations we can draw from this story. Just the entire chapter is this one story of this Mohammedan wonder worker. So let's see what this is about. I'm, I know most of you have already read this. But it's lovely to kind of revisit these with fresh eyes. Years ago, right in this very room you now occupy, a Mohammedan wonder worker performed four miracles before me. Sri Yukteswar made this surprising statement during his first visit to my new quarters. Immediately after entering Serampur College, I had taken a room in a nearby boarding house called Panthi. Master, what a coincidence! Are these newly decorated walls really ancient with memories? I looked around my simply furnished room with awakened interest. Just those tiny little coincidences, isn't it? Oh, this very room that you're now in, Sri Yukteswar has had some kind of deeply inspiring moment for him. Although the inspiration didn't come from this Mohammedan wonder worker, but came more from what this guy wasn't doing. But everything in our life, every space in our life, everywhere we go, there's, you know, there's history, there's inspiration, there's something for us to draw from. And uh, we've just recently moved into this new ashram, as you know. And every time somebody comes who's had some connection to this house, relate mm -hmm. some tiny little story, some little incident, some beneficial for us to hear, some not necessarily so. But you just know that every place holds in it um, vibrations, memories, inspirations, spiritual power from so many years. And it helps at times, especially when you're moving into a new space, to sit before anything is set, to just sit there and just feel perhaps what is it that this space is trying to share with you. In fact, I also was thinking that it's so interesting, the more, the more we are connected with the consciousness of our Guru, the more are the chances that we can also experience and have a, a taste of what he experienced too. It's, it's almost like he brings us in his own process, his own memories, uh, his own spiritual experiences. And even though here Yogananda is implying that, what a coincidence, Master, but there is no coincidences in the life of a self-realized Master. Everywhere they go, there is a lesson for there. Every time they spend a moment with their Guru in one specific environment, there is there is something, there is a sort of communication, there is an experience that the Guru is trying to uh, exchange with the devotee. And it's fascinating that in this very room, Sri Yuteshwar had some sort of a spiritual experience, a miracle happened, and Yogananda needed to be part of that vibration for a reason that we will hear now. And we need to be part of that. It is a long story, my guru smiled reminiscently. The name of the fakir was Afsal Khan. He had acquired his extraordinary powers through a chance encounter with a Hindu yogi. Son, I am thirsty. Fetch me some water. A dust-covered sannyasi made this request of Afsal one day during his early boyhood in a small village of eastern Bengal. Master, I am a Mohammedan. How could you, a Hindu, accept a drink from my hands? Your truthfulness pleases me, my child. I do not observe the ostracizing rules of ungodly sectarianism. Go, bring me water quickly. Avsal's reverent obedience was rewarded by a loving glance from the yogi. 
You possess good karma from former lives, he observed solemnly. I am going to teach you a certain yoga method which will give you command over one of the invisible realms. The great powers that will be yours should be exercised for worthy ends. Never employ them selfishly. I perceive, alas, that you have brought over from the past some seeds of destructive tendencies. Do not allow them to sprout by watering them with fresh evil actions. The complexity of your previous karma is such that you must use this life to reconcile your yogic accomplishments with the highest humanitarian goals. For me, this one paragraph both sums up the entire chapter, but it also sums up all of our lives. You know, all of us come and all of us are being given these very words to a certain degree. We're not being necessarily given powers to an invisible realm, but we are giving, we're given our willpower, we're given our creativity, we're given our possessions, we're given money in some cases. Some people are extremely intuitive, some people, everybody has a divine gift that they've been given. In this case, this gift is coming from a seemingly extraordinary, miraculous state. But all of us have acquired these seemingly miraculous um, tendencies that just exist within us. All of us, somebody just dances beautifully. Somebody sings so divinely. Somebody is extremely intelligent and has such a discerning mind. And we think of these not necessarily as powers or gifts. We think of them as just, you know, this is who I am. But these are really astral kind of powers because in order for us to influence the physical world, whether through the beauty of our voice, whether through the power of our intelligence, that uh, influence isn't taking place on the physical world alone. It really takes place first and foremost on the astral level. It's only when the energy can shift on that level does it manifest also physically in this world. So all of our gifts, both good and bad, all of our tendencies, all of our abilities come to us for a particular reason. And this becomes the, you can say, crux of our learning is whatever that is, whatever great powers that will be yours should be exercised for worthy ends. If you're very intelligent, don't use your intelligence either just for your own gains. Definitely don't use it to show other people how unintelligent they are. Never to demean anybody. Always to uplift with your intelligence. If you sing beautifully or whatever it is, you know, just make a list of what you think your divine powers are. If you could close your eyes and just kind of tune in to God and say, what have you given me in this life? What is somewhat unique to me? What is an expression of mine that um, I haven't seen too many people have? It's somewhat unique to how I express you. And then see, what do I do with that? If you have an ability to create beauty, you know, do you create beauty just where you are, just so that others come and see how beautiful you've made a space that is yours? Or do you feel this natural sense of wherever I go, I want to create beauty for others. I want to help, you know, uplift their environment as well. So whatever it is, whatever that gift is, this is really the... Oops, where am I? I think the very crux of both this chapter and of our very lives. I like the word here, exercised, mm. which means something that we need to practice daily, mm. often. It's, it's like that divine gift that has been given to us in fact because we have developed it from previous past lifetimes it only gets strengthened by practicing by often sharing that gift with others not just to enjoy to yourself or those people that you really like or you feel comfortable with and this is something that it's it's almost like the it's the gift that and the instruction given with that gift is it will only work and it will be increased and it will be 
really beneficial if you keep, keep practicing it. So whatever your talent might be, make sure that you express it, you share it often, perhaps during, you know, every single day. So exercise it, exercise it. <laughs> but then of course the saying says, just as <laughs> is true for all of us, I perceive, alas, that you have brought over from the past some seeds of destructive tendencies. All of us are a mixture of both, aren't we? Our very, uh, a very good friend of ours, uh, Nayaswami Asha, who many of you know, uh, she said, our strengths taken to kind of to an extreme become our very faults and our weaknesses. And that's what is. What's your talent and how far do you take it in terms of expressing it only for you that's where our destructive tendencies also come in the very intelligence that i have i also tend at times to use it to kind of hurt people rather than to uplift people and so those tendencies exist in all of us do not allow them to sprout by watering them with fresh evil actions that's the biggest kind of hurdle for all of us we use whatever we have so thoughtlessly. We're, we never think of them as precious gifts and responsibilities. We just think of them as we're so identified with them as this is who I am that we never think for a moment to see maybe this isn't who I am. Maybe this is what I've been given. And if I've been given something, maybe I have to use it in a particular way. And if we can just bring that awareness to all our qualities, all our tendencies, just separate ourselves a little bit. This is not who I am. This is what I've been given. And what I've been given, I now have to be a little bit more aware, a little bit more careful with, lest through my fresh evil actions, of course we've brought destructive tendencies with us, but it doesn't mean that we have to continue to build on them. And of course they're habitual, so we're going to have to fight them a little bit. And the complexity of your previous karma, he says, just as our karma is very complex, is such that you might, you must use this life to reconcile your yogic accomplishments with the highest humanitarian goals. So for us, that is even our own self-realization, even our own deep desire to be fully liberated needs to include other people's upliftment as well, always. After instructing the amazed boy in a complicated technique, the master vanished. Afsal faithfully followed his yoga exercise for 20 years. His miraculous feats began to attract widespread attention. It seems that he was always accompanied by a disembodied spirit whom he called Hazrat. This invisible entity was able to fulfill the fakir's slightest wish. Now, of course, here it seems something extremely miraculous, but we all have these spirits guiding us. We all have these guardian angels around us. In fact, they are the ones who are manifesting a lot in our lives that we're not even aware of. The place that you went and you met just the right person, you know, again, no coincidence, just orchestrated knowing exactly what we need, knowing what will help us. But they also respond to our desires. They respond, they're almost, you can say, somewhat bound to help fulfill whatever it is that we hold precious. Mm -hmm. And even if they don't fully believe in it, I'm sure Hazrat, if given an option, would not be going and doing exactly what the Fakir said. But here there's a, the yogic technique that this man practiced, kind of bound this spirit to him and to his will. But we do have that power and that ability, just we don't use it as consciously as we could. Let's stay. Now even the scooters are going to remind us of silence for a moment. Ignoring his master's warning, Afsal began to misuse his powers. A very common story in all our cases. Whatever object he touched, and then replaced would soon disappear without a trace. This disconcerting eventuality made the Mohammedan 
an objectionable guest. He visited large jewellery stores in Calcutta from time to time, representing himself as a possible purchaser. Any jewel he handled would soon vanish shortly, would vanish shortly after he left the shop. Afsal was often surrounded by several hundred students, attracted by the hope of learning his secrets. At the railway station, he would manage to touch a roll of tickets. These he would return to the clerk, remarking, I have changed my mind and won't buy them now. But when he boarded the train with his retinue, Afsal would be in possession of the required tickets. Now, of course, these stories in themselves aren't um, particularly, you know, inspiring for us, but they're very telling because often I think when I first started on the spiritual path and I first read about, you know, read the autobiography, read about all these saints, read about how much power they had, read about the miraculous, you know, feats that they could perform. And naturally I said, I want that. And what did I want it for? I usually just wanted it to fulfill all my desires. <laughs> oh, if I could only do that, I'll travel wherever I want. I'll just vanish here and I'll reappear there. Oh, if I could only do this, I'd just possess whatever, whatever I felt like, you know, having. For some reason, even though the potentiality of having the power of the universe in our hands exists, we still only want them to <laughs> fulfill, you know, these tiny little things. Master would say, why do you need to relocate from one place to another when, you know, there's cars, there's ships, there's airplanes? It's like, might as well use that. What great power are you showing other than you've saved a little bit of time? He said, the real power is to not use this power at all for your, to fulfill your own desires. That takes power. And that's our talents, isn't it? It's like it takes actual energy and power not to use your own skill and talent only for you. And otherwise, it's so easy. Well, you have this talent, what's the big deal? You have this power, what's the big deal? You have this ability, what's the big deal? Except if you can use it for something far greater than just yourself. And none of us can. And that's the only reason none of us are free. None of us are able to achieve samadhi. None of us are able to easily transport ourselves from one space to another in a moment because we would not, wouldn't know what to do with that power. We'd only be able to think of it from such a tiny perspective, just fulfilling our little desires, just kind of boosting our ego a little bit more, feeling a, a little bit more important than we already feel. And what's the big deal in that? These exploits created an indignant uproar. Bengali jewelers and ticket sellers <laughs> were succumbing to nervous breakdowns. The police who sought to arrest Afsal found themselves helpless. The fakir could remove incriminating evidence merely by saying, Hazrat, take this away. Sri Yukteswar rose from his seat and walked to the balcony of my room, which overlooked the Ganges. I followed him, eager to hear more of the baffling Mohammedan raffles. This Panthi house formerly belonged to a friend of mine. He became acquainted with Afsal and asked him here. My friend also invited about 20 neighbours, including myself. I was only a youth then and felt a lively curiosity about the notorious Fakir. I took the precaution of not wearing anything valuable. Afsal looked me over inquisitively and then remarked, You have powerful hands. Go downstairs to the garden. Get a smooth stone and write your name on it with chalk. Then throw the stone as far as possible into the Ganges. I obeyed. As soon as the stone had vanished under distant waves, the Mohammedan addressed me again. Fill a pot with Ganges water near the front of this house. After I had returned with a vessel of water, the fakir cried, Harzrat, put the stone in the pot. And the stone appeared at once. I pulled it from the vessel and found my signature as legible as when I had written it. So, little stories, of course, that show absolutely nothing 
except one man's ability to take <laughs> to just to bring stones back into water and these are the things that oh wow this is what i want to do and again when when you read the lives of these other saints and you see those who have tuned themselves to god fully and the power that they possess and we learn there's this whole other beautiful paragraph here about the power of one like of silver versus the power of a saint that's really telling again for us babu one of my friends in the room was wearing a heavy antique gold watch and chain the fakir examined them with ominous admiration soon they were missing afzal please return my prized heirloom babu was nearly in tears the mohammedan was stoically silent for a while then said you have 500 rupees in an iron safe bring them to me and i will tell you where to locate your timepiece the distraught babu left immediately for his home he came back shortly and handed afzal the required sum go to the little bridge near your house the fakir instructed babu call on hazrat to give you the watch and chain babu rushed away on his return he was wearing a smile of relief and no jewelry whatsoever when i commanded hazrat as directed he announced my watch came tumbling down from the air into my right hand you may be sure i locked the heirloom in my safe before rejoining the group here babu's friends witnesses of the comical tragedy of the ransom for a watch was staring with resentment at afsal he now spoke placatingly please name any drink you want hazrat will produce it so you see this man of course we'll see what all he fed these people but you see these two aspects one he is forcing people to act out of fear and the other he's kind of forcing people to act by soothing and massaging their egos desires. and by fulfilling their desires in return and this is kind of everything about here is really just us this is how we work this is how parents work with their children this is how bosses work with their employees this is how unfortunately we even work with our spouses with our friends either we try to placate and you know help massage and soothe their egos help fulfill their desires on a very very base level or we try to use fear as a tool to get them to kind of do what we want and these are the two ways um that the world also forces us to learn mm-hmm. and this is the way of maya this is how maya functions it functions through fear and it functions through fulfillment and neither of these two have any lasting power and as long as we work from either fear or desire this is what krishna says in the bhagavad gita the two greatest enemy of man is fear and desire he says because for as long as you function from fear and desire you will forever be trapped in this wheel of birth and rebirth and we just go through this process over and over again we don't need hazrat to create fear we don't need hazrat to help fulfill desires we just do it ourselves anyway all the time this is in many ways the sum totality of our relationships with people fear desire fear desire and uh, you know it's just helpful for us to see it's it's being played out on such a comical tragedy comico tragedy as it says here so it seems like oh how look at this man doesn't he understand but this is exactly how we are on much smaller scales fortunately we don't have the power to call upon hazrat because if we did we'd be making many many worse mistakes than we already do please name any drink you want hazrat will produce it a number asked for milk others for fruit juices i was not too much shocked when the unnerved babu requested whiskey <laughs> the mohammedan gave an order the obliging hazrat sent sealed containers sailing down the air and thudding to the floor each man found his desired beverage somehow we think of god to be in this particular same vein isn't it 
like we think god's like some sort of a wish fulfilling machine i just need to put my desire in there and he should you know instantly just uh materialize those desires for me before me and i don't know how we kind of fool ourselves into thinking that's god's role in our lives but that's the most probably popular relationship everybody uh, experiences and interacts with god even an atheist who does not believe or does at least claims not to believe in any power greater than his own the moment some issue comes in his life even he will pray <laughs> even he will ask keep somehow something somewhere take this away from me or give me this thing that i so desperately need you don't even have to believe in god to naturally kind of express this mercantile consciousness give me something and if you give me something then i'm willing to you know perhaps i'll give you something in return i'll fast for a day i'll go and feed those people i'll you know not express this desire the next time of course which usually is a lie <laughs> and we keep expressing it over and over again the promise of the fourth spectacular feat of the day was doubtless gratifying to our host afsal ordered offered to supply an instantaneous lunch let us order the most expensive dishes babu suggested gloomingly gloomily i want an elaborate meal for my 500 rupees everything should be served on gold plates i was just thinking 500 rupees must be a lot of money yeah. back then i mean i don't know it would be like a lakh or i don't know how much it would be it would just be a lot of money as soon as each man had expressed his preferences the fakir addressed himself to the inexhaustible hazrat a great rattle ensued gold platters filled with intricately prepared curries hot luchis many out of season fruits landed from nowhere at our feet all the food was delicious after feasting for an hour we started to leave the room a tremendous noise as though dishes were being piled up caused us to turn around lo there was no sign of the glittering plates or the remnants of the meal and now comes the the other aspect of this whole story guruji i interrupted if afsal could easily secure such things as gold dishes why did he covet the property of others the fakir was not highly developed spiritually shri yukteswar explained his mastery of a certain yoga technique gave him access to an astral plane where any desire is immediately materialized through the agency of an astral being hazrat the muhammadan could summon the atoms of any object from etheric energy by an act of powerful will but such astrally produced objects are structurally evanescent they cannot be long retained afsal still yearned for worldly wealth which though more hardly earned has a more dependable durability so afsal could have manifested and produced anything except it just couldn't last and again that's acts through us as well our happiness doesn't last our fulfillment doesn't last the love doesn't last joy doesn't last loyalty doesn't last commitment doesn't last i mean what lasts the body doesn't last the mind doesn't last i mean there is nothing in this world that lasts and yet you know we're just at it we just keep thinking oh this 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 next thing's just going to last this next success is going to be the defining moment of my life this next relationship is just going to be the most beautiful thing and that's going to give me the ultimate happiness that i am seeking but just nothing lasts and we're still so blinded we see nothing lasting before us and we're still just as hypnotized by it we're still just as driven by it we're still drunk by the very thought ki 
कुछ मिल सकता है मुझे एंड वी जस्ट गो फॉर इट वी डोंट थिंक बिकॉज वी डोंट हैव द पावर वो नॉट स्पिरिचुअली पावरफुल इनफ टू मेक एनी थिंग लास्ट इन आर लाइफ वी कैन इवन मेक आर ओन आर ओन लिटल यू नो मोमेंट्स ऑफ हैप्पीनेस लास्ट सो ईजी टू गो इन टू मूड सो ईजी टू गेट इरीटेटेड सो ईजी टू गेट अपसेट बाई टाइनी लिटल थिंग्स हाउ कैन वी मेक एनी थिंग लास्ट इफ द वन थिंग दैट शुड बी in our possession which is our own consciousness our own expression into this world even that we have no control over and afzal of course he yearned for something that would last just as all of us do we're all yearning for something that will last and the very fact that we yearn for it means there is something waiting for all of us that is eternal we just haven't found it yet the the very fact that this deep conviction lies in our hearts that says true joy is meant for me i mean that's the only reason we do anything as the only reason we try anything in this world is with the hope that it will give us that complete and true absolute bliss of our own selves but the fact that that deep knowing exists means that also that bliss exists it just doesn't exist where we are looking for it and it didn't exist for afzal in all that he was able to do he had every power you and i would you know fight tooth and nail over and yet what good was any of it to him because nothing would last i'm just thinking about the food that he produced that everybody put in their stomachs i wonder if the, that food even would disappear and everybody would suddenly feel hungry again because even that didn't have the power to just stay on and be absorbed by the body I laughed. It too sometimes vanishes most unaccountably, which is material uh, things. Avsal was not a man of God realization. Master went on, miracles of a permanent and beneficial nature are performed by true saints because they have attuned themselves to the omnipotent creator. Avsal was merely an ordinary man with an extraordinary power. of penetrating a subtle realm not usually entered by mortals until death so again we come back to that first concept that we started with everything that we have has only been given to us to be used and depending on how we use it will the fact whether it will last whether it will have any actual kind of permanent impression in this world or will it just be another fleeting moment of everything that comes and everything that goes that's what's the difference here is the consciousness and the attunement with which we do anything that's why healing doesn't last for most people sure it might last a whole lifetime but that's really nothing compared to the soul's journey that's why we're unable to bring about even lasting changes in our own habits in our own minds in our own consciousnesses we're just constantly we lift up for a moment and we slip back few moments later because none of us everything that we do we do it we were reading in the gita this thursday where krishna said as long as you seek a celestial reward to even the right action you will forever be bound and so because everything that we do oh i want to you know live this way because we don't do it for god alone we don't do it to attune ourselves to the omnipotent creator in whom everything already exists and only until we do that what sri yukteswar is saying is anything will be permanent as krishna also said in thursday's reading if you worship me alone i will supply your deficiencies and i will make permanent your gains Where are we? Hmm. I understand now, Guruji. The afterworld appears to have some charming features. This is what, at a certain stage, we'll read the resurrection of Sri Yukteswar. But that's the beauty of the astral world. It does actually offer us that experience as well. It does offer us the experience for some time where we can live in a realm where uh, Swamiji would share with us. He says, any 
the food that you want will just magically appear any music you want to hear will you'll just naturally hear start hearing it in your inner ear is it any tree you plant and whatever fruit you want from that that tree will produce that particular fruit that's the beauty of the astral world is it allows us in fact and that's the remnant memory that we bring with us is that this world should work that's why we're so keen on fixing the world outwardly so often is because we think this world should work because somewhere in us there's a memory of a world just working beautifully that just kind of flows in accordance to our wishes and our desires and just manifests from thought to instantaneous manifestation of course these are high astral realms not all of us easily attain them in fact you should have lived a very noble life in this world to even get to a space where you could fulfill those desires at that level but the possibilities do exist i never saw avzal after that day but a few years later babu came to my home to show me a newspaper account of the mohammedans public confession from it i learned the facts that i have just told you about avzal's early initiation from a hindu guru The gist of the latter part of the published document as recalled by Sri Yukteswar was as follows I Afzal Khan am writing these words as an act of penance and as a warning to those who seek the possession of miraculous powers for years i have been misusing the wondrous abilities imparted to me through the grace of god and my master i became drunk with egotism feeling that i was beyond the ordinary laws of morality my day of reckoning finally arrived recently i met an old man on a road outside calcutta he limped along painfully carrying a shiny object which looked like gold i addressed him with greed in my heart i am afzal khan the great fakir what have you there This ball of gold is my sole material wealth. It can be of no interest to a fakir. I implore you, sir, to heal my limp. I touched the ball and walked away without reply. The old man hobbled after me. He soon raised an outcry. My gold is gone. As I paid no attention, he suddenly spoke in a stentorian voice. that issued oddly from his frail body do you not recognize me i stood speechless aghast at the belated discovery that this unimpressive old cripple was none other than the great saint who long long ago had initiated me into yoga he straightened himself his body instantly became strong and youthful So my guru's glance was fiery I see with my own eyes that you use your powers not to help suffering humanity but to prey on it like a common thief I withdraw your occult gifts Hazrat is now freed from you no longer shall you be a terror in Bengal I called on Hazrat in anguished tones for the first time he did not appear to my inner sight but some dark veil suddenly lifted within me i saw clearly the blasphemy of my life it's interesting to hear that avsel actually saw hazrat as an actual an actual being because you know you don't get that sense previously but the fact that he could not see hazrat means he could see both hazrat and perhaps he had access to be able to look into that astral realm and see what he could draw from there but the good news is isn't this just again one of those beautiful instances like shri yukteswar with yogananda they would tell them what's going to happen they tell them this is your karma they'll tell them oh alas you are going to fall you are going to use it for you know your selfish means but nonetheless they don't stop them you know the guru could have said you know i'm going to give you this power but only use it for good oh wait a minute i see that you're not going to use it for good 
He didn't take the power from before knowing very well that the tendency existed in Avsal that he would use it selfishly. Now they let karma play out the way it needs to play out because the only way for us to learn is not by people telling us. The only way for us to learn is to go through it, is to experience it, and on many levels is to suffer through it as well. And there was actual suffering that happens on a soul level when we live selfishly. The soul shrivels and shrivels and suffers, and even though it's not really possible, but is in pain when we live selfishly. And that pain eventually is what awakens us to the spiritual path. Having lived that way for so long, that soul power, that love within us, that can't take it anymore, propels us onto a spiritual path. So the very thing that we do that seems completely wrong, that seems if only this guru had stopped him from the very beginning and just told him that you're a selfish person, so therefore these powers won't work for you. No, he just played it out. A lot of people suffered in the process. <laughs> a lot of people lost their gold in the process. But that one soul was awakened to truth through it. And so we see around us and we see suffering and we see problems and we see people going through all these ups and downs and these upheavals and a part of our heart does and should break because it's important to experience true compassion as God does as well but also to realize that this entire show everything that's going on is these great masters just knowing what we're going to need what we're going to need to experience how we need to go through it they could have come before and just say you know what Shurjo you're just you know you're not you're too this and you're too that you should just have more devotion and you just should be meditating all the time but would I do that? Would I suddenly magically have devotion? Would I suddenly start magically meditating 20 hours a day? No, I wouldn't. I'd still just do what I was always doing. But now, because they've blessed us in doing what we're doing, we carry a little bit. This man, Absal, carried the consciousness of his guru, even through all his selfish acts, even through everything that he did. At least that vibrational connection remained with his guru and that itself contains so much power so even while we're going through something that seems outwardly wrong there's at the end of it all this hope this potential that because it's been blessed by this higher source and we have to of course attune ourselves to that higher source that at the end of it all will come that moment where the guru comes to you and says ah i saw you i saw what you did and now it's time for me to, having seen that you've experienced it all, now you're ready for what I really wanted to give you 20 years ago, but I can only give it to you now. My Guru, I thank you for coming to banish my long delusion. I was sobbing at his feet. I promise to forsake my worldly ambitions. I will retire to the mountains for lonely meditation on God hoping to atone for my evil past. My master regarded me with silent compassion. I feel your sincerity, he said finally. Because of your earlier years of strict obedience and because of your present repentance, I will grant you one boon. Your other powers are now gone, but whenever food and clothing are needed, you may still call successfully on Hazrat to supply them. Devote yourself wholeheartedly to divine understanding in the mountain solitudes. My Guru then vanished. I was left to my tears and reflections. Farewell, world. I go to seek the forgiveness of the Cosmic Beloved. A happy story at the end. <laughs> Let's just kind of come back to the few key aspects that this chapter reveals to us. One, we don't need to, of course, wait to be given the power of some disembodied spirit from the astral world to magically produce things for us because we've already been given a fair amount of different powers. Our powers 
of um, helping others, our powers of uplifting others, our powers of using our creativity, our will, our will, our willingness, you know, whatever it is that you consider a talent of yours, a skill of yours, some divine gift that you know is unique to you. Now is the time to really attune and say, what am I doing with this? Because whatever you do with it that has behind it some egoic purpose, it will not fulfill, it will not be permanent, it will not remain. The happiness, the joy, the fulfillment you will find from it will be fleeting, will be temporary, it will end. But if you want, from those skills, from those divine powers that God has given you, if you want them to have true power and to last through everything that you do, not just for yourself but for others, you're going to have to really attune them to God. Why did you give me this particular power? What would you like me to express through it? How can I share this in a way that it truly helps others? Not just share because I have it so I want to share it and oh, we should be sharing. Today, everybody wants to share, you know, online especially, but they don't want to share God. They just want to share themselves. They just want to, everyone to know how special they are, which is sweet and it's important, but it's not going to last. That's the only caveat. If you're okay with things being temporary and fleeting, then, you know, let's just go ahead and do what we've always done. But if you really feel that I'm ready to be truly fulfilled, I'm ready for that bliss that I know is mine, then try to find ways to attune these skills, these talents, these divine gifts to God and just ask every day, what would you like me to do with them today? Who is it that you would like me to help today? How can I help somebody with what you have given me? I was thinking also just by going through the whole story and the CDs that this kind of teacher developed and was given to him. I mean, whatever his delusion was, wherever he was trapped spiritually, that's the kind of devotees that he also attracted mm. and, and was given to them at that level, at the, at the material level, at one of the greatest you know temptations in this world which is money possessions and power and we think the more we have the more spiritually evolved we are in fact nowadays using the law of prosperity some people think and associate the law of abundance the more material things we have the more spiritually evolved we are and also people who have spiritually experience experiences so it's very important for us nowadays in this age where there is so much available and accessible spirituality and those people who see things in meditation, who can perceive the chakras, who can hear certain sounds and even though they might be you know, true and they may hear and see all those things, don't get easily impressed by it don't measure their spiritual advance, advance advancement advancement with what they see here or have experienced because the point is it's not what they see here or perceive is is their consciousness really transformed yogananda said the spiritual path is not a circus it's not about these you know performance of miracles but it's about how are you able to perceive God's consciousness in everything you do? And this chapter, it, it boils down to that question that we need to ask each one of us daily, wherever we are placed. And the question is, how can I help in this situation? How can I serve? That's our greatest gift power and miracle that we can offer to this world the willingness and the ability and the joy of wanting to help in whatever way and sometimes the greatest miracle is to be able to help in something that seems so insignificant but it will have a huge consequence and repercussion 
in people around you. So don't underestimate yourself thinking, I don't really have a, a particular skill or nothing that can be shown outwardly to the world. I mean, just be a channel of service, of help wherever you are, because only then God really will be able to use you in ways that he cannot use other people's because they are too much caught up into the you know miracles and the fair firecrackers <laughs> of the, the spi spiritual firecrackers. The spiritual fire firecrackers so just relax yourself on the path take one day at a time one hour at a time and whatever you are doing just how can i help in this situation mm. and bit by bit that gift that that's really the purpose of our lives wherever we are placed uh, how can we serve more and better well everyone let's just take maybe one minute and close our eyes even though we've just gone through a chapter that was more than anything else a very entertaining story I hope that we feel truly inspired with this deeper desire to allow God to flow through us and help above all us experience what that true joy really feels like. And every time we allow God to use us as His instrument, you will feel that joy. You will experience God's love and His consciousness. Om Shanti Shanti Shanti